you got two draft pick or three draft picks on this team, they should be four zero. Just saying. I mean, yeah, like the the talent disparity in the G League, it feels like between what the Ignite have and what the Spurs have. I mean, obviously, I haven't watched a lot of Delaware, but yeah, if if, if they weren't winning, I'd be I would be really concerned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we would be talking. The conversation would be different. If Luke, if Luca wasn't averaging a double double, then it's we would be talking about him potentially busting right now. Yeah, I, I think my my biggest issue so far is the the Trey Jones should Trey Jones be called up stuff, and I'm like, okay, so no. whose whose minutes are are you gonna take away yeah. to put Trey Jones to sit on the San Antonio bench? Right. The uh, the timing of the end of the G League is interesting too because what's the trade deadline? March, yeah, I think end of March. And when do, and when does the season end for the G League? The end of March. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if there was a time to mo- start moving guards um, off the San Antonio team to make room for Trey, then he, he's gonna he would be able to roll right up into San Antonio and step into somebody's shoes. If yeah. you move Patty, or if you were, were to move somebody like Alani or Dejounte, I, I think that's the got to be the the part that's like Spurs fans probably hate the most right now is that the team is winning. You can't really tank and trade some of the guys that are underperforming. I mean, besides Aldridge, you could probably still move him. Right, but it, I mean, he's a he's an old piece, and what do you try to move him for? You know, exactly, that's, that's that big question. And and there's a lot of people with the Demar thing. Demar is having a, a fantastic time. But, <laughs> but betrayed him to give Lonnie Walker more touches. <laughs> right. I'm really hoping we can sign Demar again. I think he wants to stay. That might be a fan side of me with that one, but I think he wants to stay. I think he's going to get paid the same anywhere else either. Yeah, very true. And then plus, why would you want to just start all over again? Like if this team makes the playoffs, what's the incentive to leave? Exactly. And I think that I think that the biggest factor contributing to him wanting to stay, in my opinion, is is Keldon Johnson. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, those two are brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's him and it's him and Kyle Lowry all over again, and you can finally see Demar out there having fun. Yep. And he's a big mental guy. Big mental guy. Also, speaking of trade rumors, I I know. I know we've all saw the Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond stuff, but did y'all know Blake Griffin doesn't have a single dunk this year? What? That that's a like that stat blew my <laughs> mind when I saw it the other day. He hasn't dunked the ball once this year. That's insane. It seems like a player meant to meant to dunk. You know what's crazy? I I was in my fantasy league and I saw that he was fridged, and I was like, "What? This guy's a uh, uh, fridge? Let me go claim him real quick." And then I, I've been looking at <laughs> oh, that. That's why. I'm just like, okay, let me go drop him real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 8 of the Forever Toros podcast. I'm your host, John Diaz, joined by Michael DeLeon and Jonas Clark, as always. And I think we just have to talk about the first week in the gubble. Um, obviously, the Austin Spurs, we're recording this on Tuesday 
uh, the 16th. Uh, side note, hope everyone is staying warm if you can, staying safe. Kind of crazy times going on right now. Crazy week. And obviously our thoughts are with all of you. If you're listening to this, we really appreciate that. We know that there's probably more important things going on in your life right now. Uh, I've suffered power issues. I, luckily, Jonas and Mike haven't, so we've been able to record this. And my power's been back on, so we've been able to get this going. Um, but hopefully, if you're listening, stay safe, stay strong, stay positive. Or like Rick Renner says at the end of Spurs game, stay positive, test negative. Um, <laughs> the, you know, we're, we're going to try to have a little bit of fun here because obviously Austin, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel right now for um, just life in general. Because even San Antonio has now had their games postponed because of COVID. So we've got a 4-0 Austin Spurs team. Yeah, you guys. Right? Yeah. That, I mean, wow. Wow. I know it's morning, but guys, post- energy. <laughs> hey, I'll take it because, man, apparently I didn't even know this until Paul Garcia uh, texted me this morning. He's like, I'm ready to go to peace on three games and close one. And I said, three? I knew of one, but now there's three. Yeah. So we'll take this this double uh, basketball right now. I'm definitely up for it because – uh, last or yesterday's game was a lot of fun to watch, and so I'm, I'm ready for more. Yeah, yesterday's comeback was uh, really impressive, honestly. And uh, so Austin is four now through their first four games. They won against the Memphis Hustle one nineteen one eleven. Came back the next day, beat the Lakeland Magic one hundred four one hundred two. They've defeated the Erie Bayhawks one fifteen one hundred eight, and then yesterday's comeback win against the Fort Wayne Mad Ants one sixteen one eleven. Uh, so through four games, uh, Lucas Samanich is your scoring and rebounding leader for Austin. He's got 21.3 points, 11.8 rebounds. Uh, the, the the bad numbers are two assists and four turnovers per game. He's shooting 47% from the field and only 31% from three. Uh, on, on the floor, he's got an offensive rating of a 111.7, a defensive rating of 98.6, with a net rating of 13. And that's pretty similar to Trey Jones's offensive and defensive rating. Uh, Trey, on the Trey Jones side, he's Austin's assist leader with twenty-one, almost twenty-one points per game, five rebounds, ten point five assists, and two point eight turnovers, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, or general, yeah, absolutely. And he's shooting forty-four percent from the field. Hasn't made a three-pointer. Not his game, obviously. Uh, my my favorite stat about this whole thing, and I'm sorry to pull off my Paul Garcia impression here with all the analytical stats. I know that's his game, not mine. I'm not in, trying to infringe on his turf. But <laughs> Trey Jones has a 3.82 assist-to-turnover ratio. Here's some NBA guards who have a turnover assist-to-turnover ratio better than that. Devontae Graham of the Charlotte Hornets, CJ McCollum, our very own DeMar DeRozan and Derek White, and Trey's brother, Tyus Jones. So there you go. It runs in the family, apparently, to just be an all-around floor general and be able to pass the ball really well. That's awesome. And, and then lastly, our, our, the, I guess we can crown him the Forever Toros MVP, is uh, Bob Woodard, Robert Woodard II. He's at a 19.3 points, 10.3 rebounds, 40% from three on just two and a half attempts, 51% from the field. Uh, only a net rating of 3.2. The defense is a little bit worse when he's on, and so is the offense, but... I, I think one of my favorite things that I saw from him is he, he uh, is a really old piece, but he says he's a different person on the court and he's relentless. And we saw that yeah. yesterday with that comeback win. Yes, I, that that man just has an endless motor, and it's really fun to watch. So th- those are the three main standouts. But I want to turn to you guys, Jonas, especially you. What 
what have you enjoyed? Who's your favorite thing that you've seen so far? And who are your standout players for Austin besides the three that I've mentioned, if if you have any other three? <laughs> yeah, so it's really easy to fall in love with the three contract guys. Those are you know Trey Jones, Robert Woodard II, and Lucas yep. Shamanich, who were all three NBA contracts. Not even two-way contract guys, but NBA contracts and first and second round draft picks in their own right. But my standout guy, and I, I, I said this the other day on Twitter too, I think, but of all the non-contract, non-contract guys, Nate Renfro. I mean, he is everywhere. I everywhere. So offensively and defensively. Now, he doesn't have the putback game. There was a stat missing there from your Robert Woodard stats, uh, John, and that is that he also kills two rims per game. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if the I don't know if the G League tracks that stat, but uh, yeah, they, they needed, needed to, to yesterday <laughs> because Jeez. the mortality rate for those rims is pretty high so far uh, when he's on the when he's on the court. But Nate Renfro also brings that energy at both ends of the floor. Um, I I again I use this all the time. I love blocks over dunks. Like if if you're six foot six plus. A dunk isn't that impressive unless you're going over somebody. And we've seen some of that here so far in the gobble. But a block, just the timing, the 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 counter that it that that the action of a block is somebody's going to throw it down, you're blocking on blocking their shot. <laughs> uh Nate Renfro leads the gobble with three and a half blocks per game. Just absurd. Just phenomenal. Um and then you look at what he does elsewhere, too. He's pulling down 6.3 boards per game. And what stands out to me there is that two of those are offensive rebounds, not just defensive. Like, Luka's averaging a double-double on the glass, but 10 of his rebounds are coming at the defensive end of the floor. He's not really active around the rim in terms of you know remaining active through the play offensively. And that's, again, a strong point to Robert Woodard as well. But Renfro then yesterday blows my mind and (laughs) and nails a three-point shot, too. And I was like, what can this guy not do? So standout performer, Nate Renfro. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Kyrie Thomas, who is currently out with a hamstring injury. But what he's been able to do in three-point production for this team, for a team that's struggling, quite frankly, from beyond the arc. Uh, yes, going into yesterday, they were shooting somewhere in the ballpark of 28%. Uh, <laughs> it might have been lower than that even. Um, but those two guys really standing out, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy to see what Coach Nielsen is doing um, with his stars, but also just uh, G League guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Austin is shooting 28% from three on 30 <laughs> attempts, which is – insane that they're 4-0 because usually you know the g league is it's either teams full of slashers and dunkers or teams full of three-point shooters and austin seems like the slashing team that has just enough three-point shooting to survive and make a couple runs here and there yeah uh mike what what are your thoughts so far through the first four games well i mean i'm i'm gonna kind of like touch off of something jonah said and that's uh you know coach the job he's done so far this is a deep team, and he's been able to get everyone involved, and everybody get, get some minutes, and they've all kind of shined at different points. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I became a big Nate Renfro friend just yesterday. Uh, this three and a half box game, this 
guy's six eight. He's not like some six ten, six eleven. Classic rim protector. He's like two hundred to five pounds. Uh, he's he's able to move the ball around a bit too, which is great for someone at his position. Um, and, and Brian Wright, you need to figure out a way to go get Rob Woodard, man. That 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 just needs to happen. Yeah, already. I think I think all yes. the Spurs Twitter is all on that train now too. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think uh, yeah, Jonas and I were talking about it in Slack yesterday, and I was just like, look, I like Kondaria a lot, but at this point, playing the guard position with so much guard guard talent. And young guard talent's going to be hard for him to find minutes, so yeah. maybe you do something like that. But, I mean, he's just, regardless of what the numbers say, when he's out there, he's just playing, you know, all out and so much energy and hustle, and, and you'd really love to see that. Uh, I like his game a lot. He's he's shown a lot. Uh, Luca is somehow Mr. Fourth Quarter all of a sudden. Uh, yes. <laughs> Captain late uh, the, the second now because uh, he's starting to come out and uh, do those things. And, and he, he'll have different parts in the game, and I'm just like, oh, no, or, like, facepalm, like, sending the softest screens ever. But then he just takes over and starts playing bully ball all of a sudden. I'm just like, where did this <laughs> come from? Where did a bully ball Luca come from? Because he's trying to just to take it inside. And, and I don't know what else I can say about Trey Jones. Trey Jones may be the best ball distributor that – Either Spurs team has at this point. He's just uh, yeah solid with the ball in his hands, and and uh, he's kind of a guy. It seems like you can just trust to make the right decisions. And I like seeing where he just had like a glimmer of daylight, and he would attack it and and use that like change of speed to get to the basket. But yet he's still gonna look for the right pass to make. And I think that's a player that Pop's gonna love coaching over the next however many years. Yeah, Trey, I I've, I can't remember the last time I've seen the Spurs, either G League or the NBA, have a point guard that was so patient at the point of attack, yes. constantly looking around him, not worried about where the ball is, just looking at where defenders are and where the teammates are, and attacking just constantly, putting you on your heels and putting stress on the defense. It, it's, you know, I know we've talked about his defense and coming out of college that, you know, they said the Spurs probably had two of the best five defenders in the whole draft. But what he's been able to do as a distributor is absolutely insane. I think the the only weakness in his game really right now for the level that he's at is his shooting because he hasn't made a shot outside of the paint. He, he, he has just nothing but floaters and drives that are all within the paint. And he's literally haven't hasn't made a single shot outside of like a free throw line. So that's definitely something that I think we have to look for and where he has to develop. And I, you know, I can't say that there's a lot of uh, development there because obviously Tyus Jones isn't the greatest three-point shooter either, either, but he's a very good distributor and defender, and that'll get you pretty far in the NBA alone. Right. Uh, and, there's guys like TJ McConnell, you know, are out there that are just strictly distributors like that. Jonas, what were you going to say? It, it, it makes me wonder, though, does Trey really need to develop that three-point shot? Because you look at the way that the San Antonio roster's constructed, and you've got enough shooters around him. Derek White's really picking up his three-point production. Yep. Luka Shamanich, when he makes that, when he also graduates to San Antonio, he's a three-point shooter. Uh, Trey Lyles, three-point shooter. DeJounte Murray coming on as a three-point shooter. Even DeMar DeRozan picking himself up as a three-point shooter. So he's going to have these guys around him. I would rather 
um, him have that floor general because you've got all this talent and there and and I think that Dejounte's strength is going to be off the ball once you can take you know remove him from being point guard, which we're already starting to see with Derek White yep. taking over one duties, and so I, I keeping Trey as just a pure floor general, which he said in in media sessions after the games, he said that's his goal. He he knows he can score when he wants to score, but his goal on both ends of the floor is to is to lead the pace uh, defensively and offensively and be a floor general. And you look at where he came from in school. He played at Duke, and he didn't just play at Duke with any team. He played on that Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish Duke team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which Coach K then said, you know, he was he was a, a blessing just a, as a true freshman. He was part of that freshman class on that team too. And he, he, but he was just the one distributing it to everybody. And so you talk about, uh, you know, big personalities. Those are all top, you know, those three were top 10 picks in their class and being able to just find the hot hand and dish it to your scorers first and still know you can get yours. I mean, that's, that's what I think this, this guard heavy team of the Spurs is going to need in the future more than his three point production. Yeah, I, I will say I would love to see, obviously, once once he earns the playing time, I would really love to see what he could do with that bench unit in San oh, Antonio. Because yeah. especially if you start DJ and, and Derek, like Lonnie could need someone to get him the ball. I know Lonnie, we've talked about him before, being someone that really thrives being a ball handler and attacking on his own. But I would just love to see the two of them back in the backcourt together and see what they could do. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll actually get that chance either next season or later this season. Um, something I want to touch on. Man, Luca, I, I'm, I, I really struggle with his finishing game because it yeah. feels like he only has two gears. It's either to just completely body you and lower his shoulder into you, or he kind of panics and tries to do a little bit too much off the dribble and pulls up a little bit shorter than he should, and it always leads to a bad shot. It either leads to a foul or a bad shot. And it's getting to the point where we, we've had multiple announcing crews through the four games, and they all notice the same thing, that Luca's borderline offensive fouling or he's just not attacking strong enough. What are y'all's <laughs> thoughts on that so far? I mean, I, I think it's going to be called in, in, in the NBA. And not only that, but he's going to have a hard time. Uh, I mean, look, I, I like that he's actually trying to attack and things like that, but there's a big difference between the opposition he's facing in the bubble right now, and NBA competition on on a nightly basis, they're a lot stronger, a lot bigger players, and he's not going to be able to body these types of players. And so, right. if he tries to hook too much, or if he tries to really like you know push it off like that, he's definitely going to get called. And that, that that's part of I think it's just going to be part of his growing process. He's going to have to learn how to use his offense inside a little bit more, and he shows a little bit of that, but he can't. He he's become almost too dependent on this like back down uh thing and 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 figuring who's going to get the benefit of the 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 doubt on those calls but it's going to be much harder jonas what are your thoughts yeah i I mean luca's body game is something that i I, even at this point of borderline drawing fouls every time i i need to see that from this kid because there was, you know, all this last off season, um, questioning how much was he really into it. Can he? And and, and one of the things coming out of um, Croatia that we all recognized too was he was tall and lanky. 
He needed to learn how to have size, and he learned, needed to learn how to play with his size. Last year, you look at the Austin Spurs games, and his his touch around the rim was just off, kind of like what you're saying. But but he wasn't getting it to drop even mildly consistently, and he he wasn't backing anybody down last year. So I think that this is coming. This is part of that coaching experience from Coach Nielsen. You know, he was a he was a power forward center himself, playing in Australia, a championship caliber, uh, played on, on on the national team for Australia, and I think that first you get him just to do the action of using his size. Then you can refine the action. But first you have to teach him how to do it. And yeah. so I love seeing him do that. Same thing with some of his more outside ball handling where it looks awkward or he's pulling up short uh, because he just kind of maybe loses the handle or whatever it is. I still need to see him taking that because we talked about this you know, back when, when we got ready for this gobble and and what this was going to look like is that I, I need to see him running the offense because this is the big raw potential talent on, on in, in the in the Spurs organization again Keldon Johnson we kind of knew what we were getting for him coming out of um Kentucky but Croatia with Luca coming out of Croatia it was a little bit you know just six foot ten six foot eleven he's kind of still growing there um hadn't fully formed into his body yet but when you see the handles and you see the outside shooting you see, and one of the announcers I think went too far in terms of they, they dropped a dark bomb and talking about Luca, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, but I think that that's kind of like the absolute ceiling that you could ever hope to get out of out of uh, out of Luca. But if you can see see some of those elements in his game. Uh, that's what I want to see, and I think that you start teaching him how to bully people down here at this level. He's going to add size, but you've got to create the habits. You've got to create the behavior first, and then you can refine that behavior. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, it's definitely something I, I would really like to see You know, him just cut down on the turnovers. I, I think he just kind of loses yeah. exactly where the defender is and where the ball is, especially when he's trying to pass out you know, either from the top of the key or in the post, it's just kind of the, the, the awareness isn't exactly there yet, but that's just something that takes more time and takes more reps. So hopefully it's something he can improve on because it just that fourth quarter yesterday it, for, he had a good game and a bad game, but that fourth quarter was just Luca at the height of his powers. And that's scary, man, especially yeah. when he, when he started smiling and having fun, it was just like, oh crap! Like, <laughs> there's there's something there that that kid is a killer when he wants to be, and you can tell that there's a there's definitely a bright future if the Spurs can really unlock everything. Um, right. And and he uh, and Coach Nielsen both said it's just a matter of him letting the game come to him. You absolutely. know, he was trying to force things in the first half. If he can, like you said, he's feeling the flow. He's smiling. Dangerous. Yep. And, and so we we forgot to touch on two things real quick. And if you guys have any notes on this, please chime in. Um, Austin did acquire two people that weren't with the team when the Gubble started. Uh, they acquired Malik Pope, who spent last year playing for the Rostock Seawolves in the German League. Uh, averaged 7.9 points, 4.4 rebounds, 1.2 assists, and a steal in 21 minutes. Uh, previously to that, he played for the Greensboro Swarm. Uh, out of San Diego State, I know Spurs fans probably don't want to hear that part. Um <laughs> And in the the related move was waving David Kramer. Any of y'all have any thoughts on Malik Pope? I haven't looked too much into him. I, I got to be honest. 
No initial thoughts on Malik Pope, but Kramer was an injury situation. I actually asked Coach Nielsen about this yesterday um, in terms of what, because the acquisition of Jalen Morris did not come with a waiver, right? And so if we can look at anything, Pope coming in as a forward, I think that that's more insurance than anything behind Renfro, behind Woodard, and behind Simonich. But when you look at, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to him here in a second with Morris, that's more guard help. That's more outside shooting. He's shooting 87% on the season from deep. Granted, it's just been three games, four games now, uh, but on a team that's shooting poor from outside, uh, I think that that's where it's just the the Pope signing is more about depth than anything. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you touched on Jalen Morris because this is one of my favorite G League stories in a very long time. So, uh, for, for a background for people who haven't heard or don't know, Jalen Morris literally went and played for his dad at Division II Malloy College in New York and had to try out and send tape to get on the team with his dad <laughs> as an assistant coach. His dad literally told him, you're not coming here and playing just because you're my son. That's so awesome. that's that's how he starts off his basketball career after high school. Then he goes and does he pays the $150 to do a tryout with the Long Island Nets. Doesn't get picked up. Then gets drafted in the second round by the Erie Bayhawks of the G League. Uh, gets called up. In, here's where his the familiarity with the Spurs comes in. He played under uh, Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta, got called up, and then also played under him in Milwaukee as a two-way before being released. Uh, Jalen Morris, here, here's the thing. He, you know, it's another 6'5 guard that the Spurs have. He's only a career, where is it, a career 32% three-point shooter in the G League. Right. But he's 8 of 9 so far in the bubble. And the only reason he's even on the Spurs roster is because Iowa had a COVID issue with guys that broke protocol, so they needed the extra bodies. And then once those extra bodies were cleared, they waived them, and the Spurs just picked them up. So <laughs> I, I don't even know what to think. This guy's just had an amazing it, – it, it's very reminiscent of Derek White at a G League level, where mm. his story of coming through D2 and then just the G League trout and everything. So, Mike, what are your thoughts so far on Jalen Morris, even though he's only played one game for Austin? Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things also because I think you're also always looking out for that like next <clears throat> G League story ever since Jonathan Simmons. And sometimes I feel like they try to force feed it down – with everybody, but there's a guy that it's been it's been beyond just one workout. Or you know, he's he's kind of had to earn everything that he's gotten so far, and so I like I like that. I like what I've seen from him in a short time, and it kind of makes sense that he came. He probably came highly recommended from Coach Budenholzer. It kind of reminds me a lot of back in the day when Pop had to cut uh, Roger Bell, and he told Larry Brown, "Hey, this kid can play." You know. Oh man. <laughs> They signed him, and then he became public enemy number one. But still, um, you know, so it, it's, uh, again, like I said, it's been very short sample size, but I, I like what I'm seeing so far, and I hope he does well because that's kind of one of those stories you just want to see guys like that do well. Always, always. Jonas? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the great part about this level of basketball, right, is everybody's fighting for their next opportunity, even draft picks. Some of them are fighting just to stay relevant within their organization. Um, and, of course, this is a little bit of a different year than most, but 
uh, Jalen Morris, you just you can't help but pull for the guy. And I was kind of shocked to see him. You know, the, the, the announcement came down that he was signed on Sunday, and then boom, he gets thrown into the game yesterday um, and came out and, and did what he was brought in to do. Again, in my opinion, he was brought in for outside shooting. You mentioned he's only a, a 32% career guy, but he's whatever for whatever reason, he's found his stroke right now. Yep. Um, and with Kyrie Thomas being out with a hamstring injury yesterday, the timing just it just kind of fit. And so I like I like seeing him out there. And this is something that we mentioned before: the team is shooting really poor from outside. They need all the help they can possibly get should they find themselves in a back and forth shooting battle. And and Jalen Morris just kind of fits that bill. Happy to have that kind of uh, story here with the Spurs. It almost reminds me too of that. Um, who was it? Andre Ingram with the Lakers. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that that that's obviously a, a career that spanned a lot longer <laughs> than Jalen Morris is so far, and how long he just stuck around the in the G League or the D League at the time. Uh, but it, it kind of has the making of that, and just a feel good story. That's what this level of basketball, I think, is great for as well. Yeah, if he's going to end up being the story of the Gubble, obviously we're a big fan of that. We're always going to be rooting for those kind of stories. I think that's the best part about the G League, and you you kind of get that emotional attachment to these guys because you see what they've been through. It's not it's not always struggle and strife, you know. There's just things like, hey, he had to earn that. His own dad tells him, "You're not going to just come play for me just because you're my son." Like I I I love that part so much because my dad would have told me the exact same thing, and I know we can all relate to that. Uh, I think lastly, let's end on a fun subject. Obviously, shorter episode. Austin plays again today against the Canton Charge, so we don't want to go too long. But we have Austin Spurs Fiesta jerseys. Yeah! I'm glad you feel that way about them, because I'm I'm not a... They're, they're not great to me. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm sorry if Spurs fans love them. I'm, I'm not that impressed, so... I'll just leave. I'll leave my my take to that. I don't want to piss people off. <laughs> oh no, piss the people off, John. What is it that you don't like about the Austin Spurs having their own rendition of the Fiesta jerseys that it only took San Antonio sixteen years to get? Yeah, you know, it only took San Antonio that long to do theirs, and then Austin gets theirs in like five minutes. <laughs> I, I think that's crap. But anyway, I also don't like that they're the the whole front of the jersey says H E B Austin Frost. Like, uh, just the corporate sponsorship (laughs) is driving me crazy and ruining that uniform to just have this billboard on Luka Shamanich's chest. And and, and tell me, let's be honest. I'm sorry, Austinites, if I offend you, but what the hell is Fiesta about your city? The Spurs. Agreed. They're, okay, you know what? I'm just I'm gonna say something I'm gonna regret, so I'm just gonna stop there. Mike, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I guess they can't put bad tacos on the jersey, right? So, it's like, <laughs> oh, damn. so I mean, what else can they do? I guess they have to still, uh, they have to like swack the uh, whole Spurs up, uh, San Antonio's thing, and but I mean, I'm I'm with you on the it's it's it doesn't exactly feel with the identity aside from the fact that they're the affiliate, but I mean. The, the I think the whole corporate logo uh, thing is getting kind of. I'm kind of like, okay, when it was one, it was okay, uh, and then it, it, the way that the Spurs and the NBA have done it, and having that small patch, I think has been good. Like I remember seeing HGB on the like uh, WNBA or like the Silver Stars at the time. There's and it's like huge at the bottom, 
and I was starting yeah. to see it like StockX on the TV night, and uh, you know, you think that's a StockX <laughs> because it, it, that's bigger than anything else on the the uniform completely. So, still, at least the HP logo is a little smaller than that Frost one. It's pretty huge. It's just like it's too much. It's just like, and and then you made the point earlier um, about how it kind of looks like a U. And it's, I'm not sure, like... <laughs> Just a gonna, teal think, U. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're going to go with, like, the belt line and, and stripe that, great. And then, you know, do something else. But when you do, you know, like, lines going in different directions like that, to me, it just throws it off. And it reminds me of one of the NBA teams that tried to do something similar a few years ago. And it didn't end up looking very good. So, I mean, look, I, I like it. It's like finally that the Spurs listened to their fans and gave them a Fiesta uniform. But now they're just like saying, okay, what else can we put it on? What else can we use these colors on? And it's just like, <laughs> so it's going, it's going a little nuts. And this version of it's not, not as good, I don't think. I really wanted to let your bad tacos joke just sit there. And let, <laughs> let let people just wallow in their misery that their tacos are terrible. <laughs> and also, how how is it that in a professional basketball league, the number is the smallest thing on the front of the jersey? It, it, I, Mike, you and I have covered high school football. Yes, exactly. what, what they've done with the uniforms is terrible, it's and terrible. it took a long time to get those numbers fixed because they were putting silver, light silver numbers on white jerseys. And I'm yeah. like, look, this is high school. I can't see that kid with binoculars. How the hell is anyone else supposed to? I, I just don't. Uh, and now they're doing hard. it in the NBA. Like, yeah. why? It makes it really hard to track things like stats and stuff like that. And I. Um, that's that's really hard to to make out, and I I think a lot of people that make make uniforms and stuff like that really go for so much flash, and it's just like it's got to be readable. There's a reason they have a number on them. You know, it's not just there for flash. Like that number's got to be easily identifiable, especially when you're doing stats yep. and the move the game moves as fast as it does, and you're not dealing with like all every team having NBA stars or whatever. And you're not just going to automatically know who it is. You've got to be able to track that stuff quick. And so, like, it, you're right. It, it, it's very small. I remember it used to be where it seemed like the team name was small and the, the you know, the yeah. was much bigger. And it, it, you're right. I remember that game a, a, a few years ago. This was um, oh, Denton Geyer, and they had uh, white and silver. And I was just like, I'm not going to be able to keep that show's game because of yeah. that. It's just like, it's just, I'm just going to have to go off of whatever the play by play guy says because I won't be able to understand it. And, and you got to hope that the play by play guy knows what the hell he's exactly. talking about too. And he's not having the same issues you are. <laughs> Jonas, what are your thoughts on the Jersey? Okay. I, I like the Jersey and I, I, we were talking before hopping on here too about all potential alternatives. And I don't think that the university of Texas will let you make a city edition that's burnt orange. Cause that's about all else that Austin has. Uh, but when you look at the size of the corporate sponsorships, guys, this is a very unique year because all there's a reason why not all 29 G League teams are represented here in the Gubble, and it's because the organizations had to pay $500,000 in this money grab by the NBA and the G League to have this little Gubble. Um, and pay for because you, the numbers all came out when, and when Adam Silver and the NBA opened up their books and said, look at what we had to pay just to have the playoffs and the finals. We can't do this for a whole year. Uh, and, and so 
corporate sponsorships happen. You know, they're, they're like, okay, well, we need money. Fundraise us. And so you turn the jerseys into a NASCAR uh, vehicle, and <laughs> you, you run the guys out there with as many stickers as you can slap on the fabric. But the uh, I, I like the colors. They're, they're kind of simple. I think it's a it's a great homage. The, the whole message from from Austin and San Antonio to Austin, the, the speaking specifically of the Spurs, is that this is one region, it's one team, it's one family. And so, how are you going to let your older brothers have the Fiesta jerseys, but little brother, uh, br- little brother can't? You know, if you, <laughs> if you grew up with siblings, you know the younger sibling also gets that. And they also get preferential treatment because, you know, if you weren't allowed to stay up till 10 o'clock or, or you had to, you know, eat your vegetables before leaving the table, by the time you get to your younger sibling, your parents don't even care. They're just like, here, have this. And so this kind of feels like I here have this to Austin. You know, it's just like, okay, yeah, before you guys even whine that you didn't get one, <laughs> here you go. Um, and, and it's, it's, a, it's merch sale. I mean, that, yeah. I'm not going to, like, the, the artwork looks clean. Uh, in terms of what the what the fans can purchase, it looks clean, but you're right. It doesn't really fit the tone of Austin. Um, and and, and it, in a sense, does water down what they did for the San Antonio Spurs fans. But it, it, this is a very brand-conscious team, and I think that they recognize that what we do for one, we have to do for both. And now I'm interested to see... If other G League affiliates will run City Editions in the Gubble, that I, that's really interesting too. And I, I, you know, I I understand the whole wanting to be one organization, whether it's Austin or San Antonio. But that was the whole point of the name change to the Spurs from the Toros, right? And right. I love the I'm, Toros <laughs> exactly. And I love honestly, I love the logo with the Fiesta colors and the little circle where the spur is. And I think that if that was permanent, I would be thrilled with that. Mm, um yeah. and i we can't kill the g league too much because the g league always does theme nights for jerseys and you know they wear them one time they auction it off for charity and raise some money so there's always good behind it i just don't understand the fiesta edition uniform for austin i, I think it could have been done better at least if if they were going to do it um yeah do I, I just like can't the get mlk the jersey like they, you look yeah. at the mlk day jerseys and those ones are all done up you know yep uh, you, you and and this one's almost the plain black with the stripes on the side yeah uh but you can't lose the corporate sponsorship in there you can't go too crazy because you'd lose the corporate sponsorship logo inside that and they're the ones paying for y'all to be there and i look uh, let's get away from basketball for a minute i'm a chelsea supporter and uh, as as thrilled as i was that nike took over for adidas I have questioned Nike's uniform choices with Chelsea. And then the biggest one was when they switched to a new sponsor that was a company called Three. And their logo was literally the number three. And now <laughs> now the kits have a three on the front. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing in the world to have a sponsor that's a number who actually displays their number as the logo. Like everyone's just wearing a three, and then their actual kit numbers on the back, and it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So that's fantastic. This is still better than that. So great job, I guess. I don't know. I I just <laughs> we're nitpicking the jerseys more than I think we're nitpicking the players in the games. But because how can you? They're four and zero. This is true. This yeah. is true. This is what how happens you when you get a undefeated? winning team. <laughs> uh, well, we can't root for a loss. So because obviously the the night team's undefeated. Delaware plays today too. They're undefeated at three and zero. So as long as they can keep pace with the Ignite team, because the Ignite team is supposed to be everything else, 
that yeah. uh, Austin doesn't have, and that's the new generation of the NBA. So, yep, I guess that about does it for this episode, guys. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get nitpicky today, all I'm hoping for out of this Canton Charge game uh, is that the Spurs don't find themselves down and having to come back. Because all of these games have been too close. Um, A consistent effort would be nice, and I'm sure Coach Nielsen wants to see the same. Um, But, I mean, that's what happens when you have the talent disparity between Trey Jones, Luka, and and Luka starting, and then only Robert Woodard coming off the bench. Yep. And and I think you know Canton's only one and two. I I think we talked we talked about this right before the bubble. I can't really pinpoint anyone on Canton's roster that no. is really I, I guess name marquee names outside of Malachi Richardson because I thought he was actually going to be good coming out of college. Yeah, he's going to get nineteen minutes a game right now too, and they just got smashed in their last game. So this uh, is now a Canton Charge podcast. <laughs> let's nitpick Canton all right <laughs> so let's hope they take care of this one early <laughs> well let's wrap it up because it is it is noon and I'm already on two cups of coffee uh so obviously follow us on Twitter uh Clark Jonas M. DeLeon by John Diaz follow Project Spurs follow the network visit projectspurs.com on the podcast for the Spurs cast and ours rate subscribe review unsubscribe resubscribe do the whole shtick because it obviously makes us look even better when you unsubscribe and resubscribe. And that'll do it for this episode of Forever Toros. <laughs> <laughs>